Welcome back to an episode of Disciplology, a podcast where we talk about all things discipleship. Today, guys, we have something that's not happened yet. Um, here with Chris, Chris and Mary, we have a listener question that Woo. he would like for us to unpack a little bit. This is from Chris. Did not me. Submit? Not me. Nope. Okay. Nope. He says, I'm wondering, have y'all grappled with the differences or similarities between living a life of ministry versus living a life of discipleship? Life of ministry feels like church staff. Life of ministry feels like a way of intentional service. Life of discipleship feels like a life of learning and investing in relationships with the intent of spiritual growth for all. So Chris, thank you one for sending in a question. If you uh, would like to send questions for us to to ponder, to beat around a little bit, uh, discipleology at lifeway.com, you can send it to us. But let's let's take Chris's question. Uh, we've all worked on church staff and we all now don't work on church staff. So let's break apart. What does a life of ministry, what does that look like? Yeah, I really relate to what he was talking about. It feels like church staff and I asked you before we actually went live, I said, was he on a church staff? And he said, right. actually, he was. Because I think, at least for me personally, and I was on a church staff from age 20 all the way up to about six years ago. And I'm not going to say how old I am. Right, a few years. I'm a few yeah. years older. Yeah. But um, you can definitely start to feel like a professional Christian mm-hmm. when it comes to your, your, your walk. Like you're doing for God more than you're spending time with God. Because, you know, you guys have been on church staff. Sundays happen every seven days. And basically, ministry becomes what we do. We've got to output it. We've got to make something happen on Sunday, this big event. We've got to have groups that are functioning. We've got to get our kids ministry. And so you're doing, you're doing, you're doing. And you get lost into that because that's what you feel like you're filling your whole time. And so it's really easy to forget what it is to grow as a disciple and have personal discipleship when you're a professional Christian. And I just think that's unfortunate. And I'm sure that's not all church staff. I'm probably just, you know, bitter and, um, (laughs) you know, a little bit, a little bit uh, cynical now, but it, you know, definitely you kind of get wrapped into it, that whirlwind of doing ministry, doing ministry. And so it feels like a job instead of something that, you know, is growing you as a person. Well, and the challenge of viewing it simply as a vocation and not as a lifestyle, which I think is probably the distinction in this question too, of like ministry can be vocational ministry. Because we could also, I do think there's space to say discipleship is doing ministry. Sure. And so there may be viewers who say like, I'm not on a church staff. And I would say what I do in my neighborhood or Mm -hmm. talking with my friends is ministry. And that is true. But um, the challenge between vocational ministry is it so quickly becomes compartmentalized to say, oh, this is what I do from nine to five. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so then I go home and I don't have to worry about the calling to disciple people in my neighborhood or to disciple even my kids at home because, man, I'm exhausted from the ministry that needed to happen today in the walls of the church. And so uh, there's a real danger in losing sight of the call to be a disciple for those who are serving serving full time. I think even in our roles now, that that can be a challenge when you feel like you've done ministry work all day. Uh, sometimes, you know, you want to go home and you want to pull in your garage and just close 
close the door before you get out of your car. Yeah, ministry is one of those. I when I was uh, on staff, I almost envied those who could just leave their work. Right, That's right. They could yeah. just leave the office. That's right turn everything off, go home, and then have that life. And it feels like when you're in ministry, well, I say in ministry, and that's a good point that we're all in ministry, but when you're getting paid for ministry, it's an all-compassing encompassing thing, and you can't just let it go. Yeah, and there's such a challenge to really just focus on shepherding the flock or doing whatever it is that you're called to do in your particular local church, uh, rather than remembering that discipleship begins as evangelism as well. And so that was a challenge for me on church staff of like, oh, I need to be making sure that I am still surrounded by people who don't already know Jesus right. uh, when the majority of my day was with people who who did. I'd even argue discipleship of myself. So yeah. there are a lot of times when I was like, I worked at a church, you know, check mark. I'm better than you. I'm a better Christian than you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now working at Lifeway, it's still... Like you're saying, we spend our days, all of our days going through Bible studies and making sure that things are right. And we spend a lot of time in prayer and meetings. And so it almost feels like I'm checking that box again, that I'm a better Christian than everybody else in the world, right? And so how do we then take what our job is, our ministry job, vocational job, to where we can humble ourselves? Maybe I'm the only one that's super cocky about this, (laughs) Um, probably. Uh, so how do we, how do we find the humility in that? And to remember to go home, close our garage door, and then still have our own personal time of discipleship. I think that's a challenge. Um, but I think that there are necessary rhythms to keep that must live outside of your nine to five. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I spend a lot of time looking at content. I spend a lot of time uh, talking to a team about what is God doing? What do we need to resource the church with? And that can't take the place of me actually studying scripture, not in order to teach, Right. Uh, and that can be a real challenge too, where you're like, well, I did, I spent a lot of time in the scriptures today, but maybe it's in preparation for some right. teaching that you need to do, um, or in preparation for a call that needs to be made at work. Uh, and, and I have to remember that the beauty of spending time with Christ is not in order to check a box. It's not in order to move forward, just so you can move forward. I feel this pressure even with Bible reading plans. I'm very mm-hmm. competitive. Mm-hmm. And so I can very quickly get to the point where it's like, I have to do today's because like, I feel like I'm winning yeah, if I right. can check the box off right. and then very kindly, the Holy Spirit will be like, yeah, you're completely missing the point. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the pandemic actually for me has caused me to take a, a deeper look at my um, spiritual disciplines, my own personal discipleship. And I think part of it is, you know, before the pandemic, we were in the office at least three or four days a week. I was around people that kind of you know, like you said, you lean on them a little bit. You're talking to Christians all day and having some of those conversations. Well, when the pandemic hit, that went away. We're all of a sudden, we're kind of on our own. And I had to take a look at myself and say, how am I self-feeding? Mm. You know, it, it, I don't really have that time now where I'm rubbing shoulders with brothers and sisters in Christ as much. And I, I'm going to need to self-feed more than I have in the past. And so I had to take stock of how much time am I spending in the Word? How much mm-hmm. time am I spending in prayer? Because I need it now more than I even did before. And I feel, you know, it's weird with this pandemic because a year and a half into it, 
And I know there's a lot of bad things, but I feel like I'm actually closer to, to Jesus mm. than I was before just because I had to start self-feeding a little bit more. Yeah. So Chris brought out an interesting statement of intentional relationships as far as a, a discipleship model. Uh, is this something that, that churches get wrong? Is this something that we can encourage people on staff at churches to do better? What is, what is the, the divide between you know, being an event planner and wondering why people don't come to my cool event that I planned versus I just want to intentionally have a relationship with you and we're doing cool stuff that you could come to, you know, how do we, how do we marry those two things? Yeah. I think sometimes it feels like a bait and switch a little Mm -hmm. bit that we tell people to uh, have relationships, make relationships with people in their neighborhood and their work so that you can invite them to our church. Sure. Where, I mean, I, I think that it needs to be, you need to make, need to make relationships because you need to have intentional relationships. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the line, they're probably going to ask about what do you do on Sundays or, you know, what, what do you do for a living? Um, and that, that's going to come up. But I think if we go into a relationship with the mentality of, okay, I'm going to become friends with my neighbor so I can get them to come to church. I, 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 that's not, that's not being missional to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do life with my neighbor where they're at, where we are at. And then great. If they come to church, that's awesome. But they're getting Jesus hopefully through me. They're getting the gospel through how I live my life. And eventually, you know, I, I do want them to enter into a local church, but I don't see that. And maybe I'm wrong. Mary, tell me I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't see getting them to my church as the ultimate goal of why I'm starting this relationship. Yeah. I think a lot about the concept of being the aroma of Christ. Mm. I think so often I think about stores in the mall that like spray cologne every 30 minutes and how overwhelming and like nauseating that can be. And so when I think about serving in my neighborhood and being the aroma of Christ, I think about the beauty that they need to see in my life that would make them want that, mm-hmm. not let me nail you over the head with it so in, intensely that it, it, it becomes nauseating to you, uh, but that it, it is such a sweet smell that you can't help but ask, what, what's different? What's going on here? Why, why does your family look like this? Why does your family set time out on Sundays uh, you know, to attend a church? Why does that really even, even matter? I just had bad memories of Macy's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't and I know wasn't going to name names. Yeah, but. I, I was very curious of the store she used to frequent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it kind of comes back to being this overflow of our lives. So yeah. we've got to be so solid in our faith that it overflows into our neighborhood, into our friends, into, and, that, and that is ministry. Right. I mean, if you look at what the disciples, how they did ministry, they didn't go out and hand out pamphlets and say, we'll see you at the temple courts this Sunday. They went out and healed people and met their needs where they were at. Mm -hmm. And that caused people to want to know who are these guys? What, what is causing this? What is, why, why, why are they doing this? And so I think we miss it when we think that ministry discipleship is about getting someone to a location Mm -hmm. or getting someone to a certain place when we should just be Jesus where we're at in our neighborhood. 
Yeah, there's a lot to be learned from the early church, and there's a lot to be uh, kind of ignored, I think, from Western culture of how individualistic we are, how we want to drive into our garages and close the door. We want to just kind of live insulated in our homes and not, uh, you know, get to know our neighbors well. But yeah, the early church that we see is incredibly communal. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that is what was so compelling to those around them. They gave to everyone who had need. Who had need. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Share a lot of meals with each, uh, yeah. each other. A lot of barbecue, I'm sure. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Meals, uh, burnt man. offerings. Uh, Chris, I don't want to beat up on churches too much. So give us some encouragement of what churches are doing well and how can we encourage them to yeah. do this better? Well, yeah. No, I don't mean to beat up on churches. I think actually... Uh, through this pandemic, I've seen churches take a new look at how do we become outward focused instead of inward focused mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. people stopped coming. That's right. Right. I mean, uh, you, depending on where you are in the country, but for the most part, things shut down. We couldn't bring them to a building. So a lot of churches have have discovered, okay, we'll go out to where they are and we'll serve them. Uh, just a good example, uh, Saddleback Church in Southern California. I was just with Steve Gladen yesterday and they are now the number one food bank in Southern California. And the reason they are is because they decide, okay, we can't, people are not going to come to us. We have to serve their needs where they are. And so they went out and just started serving their county and serving their communities. And now they are the ones that, that people turn to. And so I think that's what churches need to do is how can we take what we've now, you know, held as a service or a, uh, an offering on Sundays and let's push it out to where people are because they are just not naturally going to just walk into our doors anymore. And so, but I'm seeing that. That's a real trend that I'm seeing. Well, Chris, I hope that answers your question. Uh, Please send us more of your questions if you've got them. Discipleology at lifeway.com will get them to us. Mary and Chris, thank you so much for being here today. And we will see you guys next week.